Good to see you here this morning. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. The message is titled Family Resemblance, and the guy who, the guy who did the announcements looks a lot like me. That's because we're in the same family, uh, physical family, but we're, we're going to talk about a different family uh, as we walk through the message. We, we were made in a certain way, like when, when you work uh, when you work hard in the garden, we're, we're, I think we're heading toward 100-degree weather. We haven't had, had that much, but I, I think here in this part of the area, we're going to head toward 100-degree weather. I, I've been working in the yard on 100-degree days, and I get extremely thirsty. You get to the point where you just, you just got to, you can't go any further until you take a drink, a big drink of water. We're made that way. We thirst for water, if we're working in the sun, we're sweating it out, we, we thirst. We have this thirst. Man, we're, this is the way we're made. We can't keep going. We can't keep weeding or mowing or whatever it is we're doing until we stop taking a drink of water. We're made that way. Well, God has also made us in a certain way so that we get the most out of life. And, and life has a lot of meaning and it's purposeful if it's centered on relationships. That's, that's the way it is. He's wired us this way. But sometimes what happens is when relationships are failing or they disappoint or they're frustrating, it, it can really hurt deeply. And so what we do is we, we sort of detach and we try to go it alone. And let's see if I can do this with just sort of shallow relationships or See if I can do life without really ever getting hurt again by putting a barrier around myself and the people around me so that I try to do life with a minimal amount of relating and without letting people really know who I am because I'm trying to avoid the pain. It's sort of like trying to um, put a puzzle together like this puzzle here. Uh, it's like trying to put a puzzle together with the, one of the pieces missing. That would, does that sort of grate against you? It's not right. That is not right. I mean, you know, you, sometimes you lose a puzzle piece. What do you do? It, you're not motivated to put the other pieces together because you're missing the center piece of the puzzle. I mean, unless you're like two and you don't care. But, you know, as you grow, as you get mature, you're like, I... There is something missing here. I, I want to put this together. I, I, want us, I want it to be whole. I want it all to be working the way it should. And that's the way it is. Life doesn't go well if our relationships aren't going well. Without good, enjoyable relationships, life is way less than it, it was intended. Self-help only goes so far. You know, we, 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 try to, we try to live life on our own, relying on ourselves, trying to help ourselves grow and become a different kind of person. But it only takes you so far because we're made, just like we need a long, cool drink of water when we're hot, we're made so that it takes more than me to get the most out of life. It takes more than me for life to be filled with meaning to live life with purpose beyond the ho-hum, to grow into the person that I was made to be. It, take, it, it, made to be. it takes more than me. I need God's help, and I need a certain kind of family 
to get the most out of life. This is because, excuse me, I just hit my mic. Uh, it's because we were made in the image of a real God who exists, who is a relational God. He, he knows us, and he wants us to get to know him. He, he loves us, and he wants us to love him back. It's actually one of the core reasons we were made. So that God could, I don't know what you've heard about God, but this, this is it. He, he made us so that we could enjoy what he's made, so that, we could, um, so that he could love us and, in hopes that we would love him back. And so this is at the core of who we are. He, he wants us then, as we relate to him, to become more and more like him, to take on his character, and when we do, life goes best. This, this is when life gets good. You, you may be considering what it means to be a follower of Christ. Maybe you haven't yet decided to follow him and give your life to following him. Um, but I, I want to tell you today where he's going to lead you if you decide to follow him. The Bible makes it clear that what God's going to do and what Jesus is going to do is he leads us, uh, his son, God himself, uh, he's going to lead us to work through the circumstances of life in a way to develop more and more character like his. And it's, it's an inner resemblance, not an outer resemblance. The way the family, church family is, we got all kinds of people, all kinds of backgrounds. Everybody looks different. But what he wants to do in the church family is he wants to use the relating that goes on. And he himself, God himself wants to help us so that on the inside, we begin to resemble one another in the way we think and the way we uh, value certain things and in a character that's like God himself. And when we grow in a character like his, we learn to treat people the way that he would, and life gets really good. It gets better, better and better as we learn to do this. So in this series that I'm introducing today, what we're going to do is dig into the book of Ephesians, and we're going to look at some key passages in, in the book of Ephesians uh, to uncover some essential qualities that God aims to build into his kids, those who've decided to follow him, uh, to follow Christ as boss, he has some qualities that he's going to be working to build into his kids so that life and relationships can be the best that they can be. Now, the book of Ephesians was written by Paul in uh, the first century to a brand new group of Christians, uh, brand spanking new Christians, and he wrote the book to explain some important truths about the character of God, what he's done for us in uh, Jesus Christ, because God made us to love us, but we didn't love him back immediately. We actually chose to rebel against him, human beings. And the first man and woman decided to go their own way, to live life independent of God, to detach from him. And every one of us have done the same thing. And so in Ephesians, you learn how Jesus Christ, God sent his son Jesus Christ to die on the cross to pay for our sins and to allow us to come back into a relationship with him. That's the ultimate expression of love. He, he gave his life for us. 
And so we find some of this out in Ephesians, how God has done this, what he's done for us. And then he lays out some key expectations for family members. He lays them out so we can start to understand what God wants to do in us and through us as we relate to the people around us. Now, what Paul tells the Ephesians is, one of the key words is, he says, God is gracious. He's, he's, the reason we can have a relationship with God is because of his grace, which means he, he loves you and I whether or not we love him back. He loves us. We have unmerited favor from God. That's the, it's the grace of God. And it's interesting because here's God. He made us. He's the ultimate authority in the entire universe. He made it. He made everything. And yet, he is extremely gracious toward the people that he's made. Now, he... He sets high expectations for his, his kids. There are high expectations in there. And he knows what it will take to be an adult who, who really does well. So he sets these high expectations. But when you understand who God is and how he wants to relate to us and how much he loves us, you want to be like him. You know, that's what good kids... You know, a, when kids have a good dad who loves them, they want to be like him. And we become what we admire. We become the people we admire. That's the way it works. And so God really wants to help us. He puts us in a family and he wants to help us to grow. And he holds the expectations high. But a great, here's one of the qualities of a gracious person. You, you don't lower the expectations or the standards, but you help the people under you achieve the standards to meet the expectations. You don't set them and say, you know, get it done, make it happen. Here it is, do or die. But if you're a gracious person, what you do is you set the expectations and then you do everything you can to give the people, the resource, the people under you the resources to meet those expectations. That's exactly what God does. You can see the mix of expectations and God's heart to help us in Ephesians 1. Let's, let's read through a few verses there. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. He's, he establishes here that God's our Father. We're a part of his family. If we've decided to follow Christ and, and turn from going our own way, he has become our dad. Even as he chose us, he wants to bless us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. This is where he's taking us. These are inner qualities. These are inner characteristics. We're going to talk about them in a little bit, holiness and blamelessness. These are things on the inside that show up on the outside. But uh, he wants us to be holy and blameless before him in love. Out of God's love, he predestined us for adoption through Jesus Christ. He adopted us into his family according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. Now, this passage shows the relationship that God wants to have with us. And this brings a lot of clarity and hope 
as we, as we try to become people who are going to really bless those around us, as we try to have families that really enjoy one another, as we try to relate here in church life in a way that we can work together to do what God's given us to do, but we can keep enjoying it. There's a lot of hope in this passage. We're going to unfold, unpack what we find here. First, what you find is that God wants to bless his children by growing them in character like his. And God grows us, first of all, by adopting us into a spiritual family. First thing, Ephesians 1.3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Any relationship is defined by the role that exists, the, the roles that people have in that relationship. And the relationship, our relationship with God is no different. He is our Father. He's Father to all who follow Him. To all who've turned from going their own way and said, God, I'm done with that. I want to go your way. He's Father. Now, you've made, maybe you've heard this description a bunch of times. But it's a term that shapes our understanding of how we relate to God moving forward and how He wants to relate to us. God is a father who is close at hand. He's engaged. He's not distant from what's going on in our lives. He loves us, and he wants to train us for our good to be just like him. And that's how a father is who's a good father. They want to train their kids to develop the qualities that are going to help them the rest of their life. And that's what God does. Now, I would say that my parents were lenient. I've talked about this a few times if you've been here. Before, I've talked about how my, you know, I, I kind of had it easy, I was spoiled. I would say they were definitely lenient with me, didn't have a ton of rules in the house. They didn't enforce a lot of rules, but when I crossed a boundary, I knew I had stepped across it. For instance, uh, one time when I was five, a new family moved on the block, and um, they taught me some words. Okay, let's say that. They, they taught me some words. And I had really never heard these words before. I'm five, okay? I'd never heard these words. And I, I, I started using these words. But somehow I knew that I shouldn't use these words in front of my parents. But one time I got, I got ticked off at my really good friend and I was in the back. We had a den in the back of the house. He was in the backyard. And I yelled one of these words at him using it in a, in a negative way. Not realizing that my mom was standing right behind me. When she heard the word, she immediately asked me what I said. I didn't repeat it. That was her t- I didn't know this. But that was her test to see if I knew it was wrong. When I found out, when she found out I knew it was wrong and didn't repeat the word, I found out what soap tastes like. Okay? And, and I learned that the new family on the block might use those words, but our family doesn't use those words. Okay? That's the level of understanding at five. That I had. So basically, I had the worst mouth of my life when I was five years old. And I learned. I crossed a boundary, and I knew we don't do that. 
And God does the same thing with his kids. He's the the same exact way. And so what this passage is saying, he's our father and we should praise him. And consider the blessings he gives as he puts us in the new family that we've been adopted into. We didn't deserve to be adopted. We'd rebelled against him. But he reached out and made a way for those who decide to follow him to become sons and daughters. And this passage says that God wants to bless us with every spiritual blessing. That blessing happens inside of his boundaries. He has family rules. They're not arbitrary. They're good. They're good for us. He, he lays out the boundaries and gives the family rules uh, so that we will live the life he made us to live. Not, not so, because if we bust through the boundaries, life is less than it could be if we stayed inside. That's where the blessing is. Life is less than it could be when we keep breaking through God's boundaries. That's why they're there. He, he's a good dad. He's, he's working in us to change us. When we choose to live inside of those boundaries, life's a blessing, and we begin to resemble God more and more. We begin to take on his characteristics on the inside. So God grows us uh, by putting us in his family. And it's in the family relationships that, that we develop in the church family that God intends to give us a launching pad for relating to others like that. He, he wants to work through the church and what's going on. He wants us to have boundaries in church life that, are, that he's given us so that as we learn to relate to one another rightly here and now, we, we begin, that spills out into our physical families and to the workplace and our neighborhoods, all, all over the place. And then we, we actually become a blessing to the people around us as well because we're learning to relate to one another in a different way right here. So that's one thing God does. He adopts us into his family. Secondly, he trains us to be like him. And this this passage, verses 4 through 6, they show us sort of two qualities that he's going to train us, their character qualities. We're going to find, we're going to look at others uh, as we go through this message series. But even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, it says that we should be holy and blameless before him in love he predestined us for adoption through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he blessed us in the beloved. God's goal for his kids is to grow in character like his. So if you want to know what Jesus is going to do, where he's going to lead you, if you decide to follow him, he's going to lead you to develop a character like his. And if you have the right kind of character you're going to do the right kind of things in the different challenges, situations, circumstances. As life flows by, you're going to respond in the right way. And so God starts training us to do this. One of the most important roles that any parent has is to model how life really works. Uh, From how to eat, how to dress, how to treat people, and how to handle stress. We've actually developed an echo in our house in the last couple weeks. Uh, son Thad and Gina and their family moved in. They've, they just got here from uh, Texas. And uh, their son Blake, he just, he, this morning, we were getting ready. He's repeating 
everything granddad says. He's not sure about granddad yet. Okay, but he's, re- he's an echo. He's, he's, he's mimicking. And we're modeling in the family how to relate. And that's what parents are always modeling. That's what happens. Good parents want to model the right way so that our kids can learn without too many knots on their head. That's, that's the goal. When you commit your life to Christ and life in the new family begins, God is the model to retrain you of what life is like in the kingdom family. This is what he wants to do. He, he puts us in the family, then he uses everything that's going on to begin to train us. And so he becomes the model. And some of what our spiritual father teaches us may be in line with how you are raised and uh, a, a lot of it may be foreign to how you were raised, but this is what he's going to be doing. There are two key aspects of his character that are mentioned in this passage that he's going to begin to build in us. Holiness is one of those. Now, does, doesn't that have sort of a, a twinge of uh, mystery to it? What is holy? Holy, it's kind of negative. You're, what are you, holy, holier, holier than me or what? You know, so we don't, we don't really understand what that word means, but and it's probably because there's a pretty good depth of meaning to it, but the, uh, there are a lot of facets to the meaning of the word holy, but here, here's the core of what it means. It, it means to be morally pure and set apart for God's use. That's what it means to be holy. So when you become one of God's kids, he, he's going to be working to help you grow more and more pure morally and he wants you, he sets you apart. He sets you apart for his use in every area of life. So God wants to help us grow this way. We, we don't start out this way and uh, we keep needing to grow in this till the day we die. None of us are perfect. And so God uses all the stuff that's going on in our lives. The good, the bad, all the stuff in between. He uses it to try to help us become more and more holy. More and more pure in that I have one goal, to please God. I'm set apart for his use. So as life flows by, we set out to do what pleases God. That's, that's what it senses to be holy, morally pure and set apart for his purpose. God also wants us to be blameless. Now that sounds impossible, doesn't it? I mean, if, we're, if you were... If you were to set a goal for your kids, hey, I'm just going to try to help my kids be blameless for today. How long would that last? You know, how, how, really, how long? Uh, you know, probably just before breakfast. That goal would be done. Shot in the foot. Seems impossible. What blameless means here is unblemished. Unblemished. But no one can be perfect. However, the idea of being blameless flows out of the, the actual way that we become blameless flows out of what verse 6 says about our adoption. It's through Jesus Christ. We're blameless through him. And an interesting thing happens in your relationship with God because, as I said, we're, we start out going our own way, running independent from God, doing life our own way. The moment that you admit that you are blemished, that you have sinned and rebelled against God, turn around and go God's way. He gives you, he covers you 
with the righteousness of Jesus Christ who lived the perfect life for us. It's an amazing thing. So now we're blameless because of what Christ has done for us. Now, in practicality, we don't live blameless lives after that. So practically, what it means to be blameless and what God's going to want to do is He's going to want us to recognize when there's a blemish and then clean it up. When there's a stain, when we've done something, when we've said something to hurt somebody, when we've done something wrong, when we... What God does is, when you become His child, He lives in you in the person of the Holy Spirit. And He begins to bring things to mind. You know, you shouldn't have said that. That was harsh. You, you, really, you really shouldn't have done that. Um, and when we realize the blemish, then we make it right. With God first. And then if we've hurt someone, we get it straightened out with them. So practically, what it means for us to be blameless, we're not perfect. We have blemishes. But what it means is nobody can point their finger at me and say that I've done them wrong without trying to make it right. That's what it means to to be blameless. So God's working through all these things, through our failures, through our struggles, through the challenges, the circumstances of life, to help us grow in holiness and blamelessness. Because these very things, are what will make life good. And those are the things that set us apart. These are the things that resemble Him. These are the things that make Him look good as people in His family. And these are the very things that He's going to use to reach out and help other people come to know Him as well. Godlike character traits translate into everyday ways of relating that make our lives flourish. And so we're looking in this series at those, some of those traits, some of the key traits. This is the, a central, relationships are a central piece of the puzzle of life. And when you grow up in a family and you learn uh, good habits and You develop good character. Your parents train you. This is a real help to you at school, at work, as you relate to friends, and all throughout the rest of your life. It's a help. And God's intent in His family, in the church, once you decide to follow Him, once you become His, His child, He puts you in His family, and His intention is to train you in that family, to keep growing in character like His, and developing the habits that will bring blessing, his blessing on relationships in every area of life. And so we need a group. The way we're made, we need a a group of a certain kind. We need a family of a certain kind. We need a place where we can know people and be known by them. We need that. We really can't do well without that. When, When we feel invisible... Life loses its meaning. So as people, we're drawn, just like we've got to stop and take a drink of cold water. And we need enough to strengthen us to keep going. We need to be known by other people. We, when we're invisible, life loses its meaning. We get thirsty for meaningful relationships. 
So we need a place where we can be known and uh, where we can know others. We need a place where we can care for people and be cared for by others. When we find a group of people that loves us and we can love them back, we can care for them and they care for us, there is something right about that. We need that. We need a place where we can accept people and belong, where we can accept and be accepted. We all have a question in the back of our mind about whether or not we're acceptable. God answers that question. He makes us acceptable in Jesus Christ if we'll turn and accept him into our life. But if you live around a group of people who judge you constantly, they make it hard on you, they put you down, they sort of bag on you for everything you say or do, that, that rattles you to the core. That, that is not good. You feel like there's a wall between you and the life you want to have that's separating you from what it, life's meant to be. Like that, I, I've only seen, I haven't watched the program, but there's that new TV show, Under the Dome, and somehow this transparent dome comes over a city, and some of the people are outside the dome because they were traveling outside the city. Some people are inside the dome. And I could tell by the previews that some of the resources that the people inside the city need are outside the city. Some of the people need, outside the city need resources inside the city, and there, there's this, this barrier. And that's what it feels like when we're not accepted. When we might be in a group of people, but there's this transparent dome that is separating us from what we really need. We need to be accepted, and we need to accept and, and, and belong to a group. We also need to serve and be served by a group. We, we've been created with this desire to help. And we, we want to contribute to a purpose bigger than ourselves and serve the needs of others. And if we lose touch with this part of who we are, life's not as good. It shrivels up. It's less than God meant it to be. So that's what God wants the church to be. He wants the church to be this kind of group where it's a safe place to get to know other people and let them get to know you. That happens at an appropriate pace as you learn to trust the people around you. He wants, it to be, he wants the church to be a family where we grow together to resemble him and live in ways that please him. In the church family, God is working to develop essential character qualities that grow out of his nature. They come from him. He had them first. And these essential qualities make our relationships thrive, which is a centerpiece of the puzzle of making life work. There are four essential qualities that we're going to look at. You find them in the book of Ephesians, as I said. And we're going to look at these in this series. First one's integrity. And this is essential. But it's, integrity has this idea of, of integrated, where the outside matches the inside, and uh, you, you do what you say. And it builds trust. And trust is the glue that holds relationships together. Second quality we're going to look at is love. If you don't think someone cares for you, then you don't want a relationship with them, do you? I mean, you just don't. When, when, but, but on the other hand, when you know somebody's always going to be looking out for your interests and caring about you and the way they handle things, you're drawn to them like a magnet. So we're going to look at that. We're going to look at integrity, love, and then humility. There is a tremendous power in humility to 
heal and connect us to the other people around us. It unlocks the door to the other essential qualities. And then finally, forgiveness. It, it's, this is the key to continually repairing relationships, just forgiving, because we're going to mess up. We're not blameless. We hurt. We disappoint. At Church in the Valley, we want to learn these qualities together. And we want to grow as a spiritual family uh, where we encourage each other to grow in these qualities. This, this is at the heart of who we are. So to do this over the next several weeks, uh, we're going to be unpacking these qualities, these essential qualities. And we're also going to be tying them to something that's really highly valued at Church in the Valley called the heart attitudes. And these are, these are those habits or, or patterns of relating that we talked about. Because I talked about how God... God wants to change our character, and then he wants us to develop new ways, new patterns of relating. And we have some relational values that we call the heart attitudes. These attitudes are practical ways that I take the truth of the scriptures and live them out. They're, they're attitudes that are a key part of how we want to relate, and they characterize who we are. And so we're going to be pulling these out of the passages, and we're going to be looking at what it means to live those things out, what God says about who we need to be on the inside, and then how that means we relate on the outside. Also, uh, coming up in the next month uh, or so, we're going to have an opportunity to get involved in life groups, an opportunity to team up to serve. Thad mentioned that in the announcements. And uh, so as we walk through this, those are great ways to actually Get around the other family members so that you can begin to learn to grow in these essential qualities. To get into a life group, to, to figure out what's the Bible say there, how do I live that out, talk about it with one another. There, there's really no better way than getting to know other folks in the church family than getting time with them in the group setting. And then uh, serving together is another way. As, as you pitch in to team up, to serve, because it takes more than me to really become the person that, that is going to do well in life. I, I need help. I need God's help, and I need the help of people who will really care about me and walk with me through this as, as I live life. And so these are some opportunities that are coming up. What God wants is he wants to make his kids more like him so that we'll be a blessing so that we'll experience his blessing, so that we'll be a blessing in our families, in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces. And it takes more than me to get the help I need, to get all I can out of life, to be shaped into his character, to grow to be more like him. I, I need his help, and I need his family. So we're going to be looking at that over the next several weeks. I'd like to wrap up the message uh, today by asking you to think through some next steps. If you would, please take out your connection card that was in your program that you received. And uh, you may want to finish completing any info that you haven't had a chance to fill out on there. Or you may want to respond uh, to one of the next steps that, that I'm going to suggest that are on the back of that connection card. Uh, these are just practical steps you can take to apply what we've talked about out of, out of the scriptures. Um, here are some suggestions. First of all, Make it a priority to attend the rest of this series. 
I, I'm going to attend the rest to the best of my ability. I'm going to be here. Because what we're going to unpack are some crucial things. Some character qualities that God wants to grow in us and how he does that. And then the blessing it is as we relate to one another this way. This is going to be very, very helpful, I believe, as we dig into the scripture. So that's, that's number one. Attend the rest of this series. Number two step could be to consider joining a service team. Number three, to consider joining a life group. There will be opportunities to join those two things. That's the way to pitch in. It takes more than me to do what God wants us to do in this world. As we do it together, God shapes us and makes us more like him. And it's a real blessing to ourselves and to the people around us. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for the truth we find in your word and for just not leaving us out here without you, God. We, we are so grateful that you're gracious that you not only hold to the high expectation, but you help us meet it. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the life you gave to help us come to God. God, we, we praise you and honor you for the blessings you poured into our lives in this way. And I ask, Father, that um, you would give us the power to take the steps that you've laid on our hearts to take today. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.